2: So, Patrick, tell us, who are you and what do you do?
0: My name is Patrick George. I'm the editor-in-chief of InsideEVs.com, and I'm a contributor to The Atlantic and The Verge and a few other publications.
2: Patrick is a car guy. He's covered the auto industry for years, and these days he's focused on electric vehicles. So, fair to say he's now an EV guy. Thanks to his job, Patrick does a lot of test driving. Last week he tested out a fancy Mercedes EV. It was an SUV with a six-figure price tag. He lent it out to his wife. She didn't love it.
0: She borrowed it for a bit to go run some errands, and I asked her was like, just bring it back with a full charge because we have a we have to drive back to New York City that night. And I just had the worst time getting the car to connect to any of the public chargers uh, that are near us in upstate New York. And just kind of calls me screaming, jumping up and down. She's like, "The, the software won't work. And it won't connect to the car." And she's like, "Did you know it was like this?" And I said, "Yes." She's like, "But it's it is. And you knew it was this bad?" And I'm like, "Yes, I do." And she's like, "But it has to get better than this uh, for everybody, or it's not going to work, and no one's going to go for it." And I'm like, "Yes, exactly." So uh, I was like, "Welcome to my world," and you you've you've perfectly seen and illustrated the problem that that beguiles this industry and many people who want to do the right thing and drive electric, but have a lot of roadblocks in their way.
2: And that's the thing. More people want to move away from gas-powered cars. And this year, a lot of Americans actually did, buying more EVs than ever before. But nationwide, our charging infrastructure just isn't where it needs to be. And many Americans aren't so sure about making the full switch just yet. So a lot of folks are turning to hybrid vehicles that use both gas and electricity. And that's posing a problem for the automakers who are trying to go all in on electric and not fuss around with this middle ground, and more crucially, for the climate. Because hybrids, while better than your typical internal combustion engine, still rely on gas. And if we want to phase out car emissions in the coming years, we'll have to move on from them
0: eventually. That's the problem, which is that some car companies want to make hybrids and see this as this great bridge from gas cars to fully electric cars. You know, you could build up your battery supply, you can cut down on gas use, cut down on emissions in the meantime, get people used to it. And then other car companies like General Motors uh, and, and Volkswagen, probably most notably, are looking at this and they're saying, why are we have to spend billions and billions of dollars on building out EVs, on building out battery plants? building out software for these electric vehicles, all of this really advanced technology. We don't want to waste that money on, you know, what's going to be ultimately a dead end right? on right. hybrid cars. And so, you know, some of these car companies, they've got a great, you know, lineup of hybrids to choose from if that's what you want right now. And the other ones are just like, sorry, no, you know, here are our gas cars and here are EVs. And that's the way we're going. And you're just going to need to kind of deal with it.
2: So today on the show... Patrick explains why Americans, more than 20 years since Toyota introduced the Prius, have fallen back in love with hybrid cars. Will they ease drivers into an electric future, or will they run us off the road? I'm Emily Peck, filling in for Lizzie O'Leary, and you're listening to What Next TBD, a show about tech, power, and how the future will be determined. Stick around.
3: First ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.
2: So to back up a little bit, let's just talk about like who's buying what cars right now. What proportion of the market is EVs right now?
0: We just got to the point where EVs are about 10% of the U.S. car market, which is the biggest ever wow. been. So it, yeah, it's, it, it's great for the U.S. Um... I think it's twelve percent in Canada. It's it's significantly lower than Europe, or I believe they're at about twenty percent uh, across the board there. Uh, you know, uh, some European countries. I think Norway they're up to like ninety percent now. Like that ship has kind of sailed in Norway. Yeah, uh, most yep.
2: Scandinavian countries they're just <laughs> lapping us. They always lapping us
0: at everything. Healthcare just just <laughs> they just, just got the, it all. The yeah. whole nine yards, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, China is is rapidly moving to, um, you know, these EVs. And they, they actually, uh, they do a really great job of, of, of uh, hybrid cars as well.
2: And you said the proportion in the U.S. of EVs is 10%. What's hybrids? What's the proportion of hybrids?
0: As part of this growth that we've seen this year, hybrids now make up nearly 10% of new car sales. And that's a wow. number that's more than doubled since 2020. So if you're looking at EVs, and hybrids together that's 20% of the new car market in America which is really fantastic to see. Yeah, that's astonishing.
2: The EVs though, I still think of them as pretty expensive. I I think I read the average price is like $50,000 for an EV. Is that is that right? Does the does, are they still a little too pricey for, you know, for widespread adoption?
0: Yeah, you're exactly right. There's there's a few trends at work there uh that are really unfortunate for the consumer right now. One is that you're absolutely right that new cars in general are more expensive than ever. Since the pandemic, they've skyrocketed. I Last I checked, I think that the average new car price in America, you know, all in is about $47,000, $48,000, which is far higher than it's ever been and ever was before. Um, you know, your average EV is still going to be slightly higher than that. We are seeing those prices begin to fall based on the data. I've seen we're approaching what's called price parity with gas vehicles, like meaning mm-hmm. costs to build these, these EVs. Like it's getting closer to the cost of, of of what we're used to these days. And they've gone down, like many dealers are offering discounts on their EVs. The automakers are seeing that the the sales are kind of up and down. They're offering discounts and help. So it's getting better. But on the whole, these EVs are more expensive than, um, you know, their their gas car counterparts. Uh, I just drove the, the Chevrolet Blazer EV. In California, which the ones I drove were about sixty three thousand dollars, and you can wow. get a very nice gas Blazer for about forty five, and I could see a lot of Chevrolet consumers sort of looking at that, like, well, why, do, why would I why would I spend twenty grand more on the electric car?
2: Well, I mean, well, you never have to buy gas for it. That's a huge <laughs> savings.
0: It, it 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 is for sure, and I think that that's that's kind of an undersold benefit to these things. You you still pay for electricity when you fast charge, but on the whole, this is vastly less money than than filling up, you know, like a large gas SUV So There's definitely benefits there.
2: Amid all this, President Biden has done quite a bit to move the U.S. toward EV adoption. Under his administration, the EPA instituted new rules that force automakers to limit emissions and encourage more EV production. The president's landmark climate legislation provides a chunky tax credit to Americans who buy certain EVs. The administration is also providing funding directly to automakers to help them transition to electric. And the companies themselves have spent billions. But while the market for EVs has grown, it hasn't moved as quick as car makers have wanted.
0: It's deeply confusing, and there's been kind of this narrative that's ran away this year that I I haven't really loved which is that this has been a great year for EV sales. It's been phenomenal. I think it's the best sales year Tesla's ever had, for example, by far. But we're not seeing that it's just this permanent up and to the right curve. It is kind of an up and down thing. You've seen a lot of early adopters who got these things. Now you're seeing people kind of like they're in the wait and see moment. They're waiting for charging to get better. They're waiting for the prices to go down. And I think these automakers are really struggling to develop cars at prices people want and and prices that they can afford. I think people want affordable cars, period, but they're not getting them. They're really certainly not getting them in the EV market. I think that's part of the appeal of the hybrid right now. Is like you don't see those sky-high prices for the, these hybrid models. This is a bit of a premium over gas car, but it's not, you know, uh, an unbelievable amount of money. And you don't need dramatic changes to your lifestyle yet either, like you would for a full EV.
2: Further compounding the problem is the fact that EVs are still an emerging technology. Many people are waiting for adoption to become more widespread before making the jump.
0: In the next few years, like we're going to see all of these cars are actually going to change what type of plug they use for fast charging. They're all going to go to Tesla's uh, type of plug, which will give everybody access to the Tesla charging network, which is excellent. So, you know, if you you buy one of these now, I I don't want to say you're going to be locked into a damn technology, but I think leasing something for three years, trying this out, getting used to the electric lifestyle, seeing how this works for you, I think that's kind of the smart play as this technology uh, matures and and kind of becomes more for everyone, there's probably going to be several iPhone moments for electric vehicles Uh as opposed to just one thing. I think it's going to be faster charging. We've got to see the charging experience get better. Um, The part of the story I didn't tell you earlier with with my poor wife trying to charge this Mercedes was, you know, you, you have to use a smartphone app to pay for that and to activate it and the smartphone app and, you know, the charging network and your car software all have to work perfectly oh, in tandem. No. If any one of those things fails, it's not going to work. And it's like, okay, this is objectively this is this is not as seamless as getting gas. It just isn't. So I think that making that experience much easier and foolproof and seamless and ubiquitous—that's what's going to do it. I think. And I mean, so many of these EVs are 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 there. They're close to it, but it's 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 still a lot of planning ahead to ask people to do, especially if they're. Yeah, I I kind of think about the difference between me who does this for work and covers this and someone who I know might be a single mother with three children. Mm -hmm. And is just trying to get them to school or activities or whatever on time. It does not have a lot of backup. And it's like, okay, you're expecting that person to work charging into their life like they would now. Like We're going to make some concessions to make this work for everybody. And I don't think we're there yet.
2: When we come back, are hybrids a path towards full EV adoption? a detour from the future we want.
1: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: So to get back to hybrids, can you just explain to me, I read about plug-in hybrids and then hybrid hybrids, and Mm -hmm. I don't understand what is this? is it just literally one you plug in the other you don't have to recharge or yeah
0: you, you nailed it actually uh so the, the, <laughs> the the plug-in hybrids like the uh, you know the the battery can be recharged by the gasoline engine but they're really meant to be plugged in overnight to give it a full battery there I think we're going to see more and more of these get phased out over the next few years it it, it feels almost counterintuitive right but the automakers they don't seem to want to make them they had a huge moment in europe in the recent years where corporations were getting a lot of subsidies to lease these in their corporate fleets uh. and people just weren't plugging them in and so uh you know when you don't do that the car doesn't work right so you're you're driving around with a gas engine with a with a heavier car because now you're, you're lugging around a dead battery and they were worse on emissions and they were worse on gas and i think that that's just being sort of i'm not sure what kind of how much of a future those have but then the pure hybrids um like it's like like most Toyota Priuses mm-hmm. are just gonna recharge the battery themselves by normal driving, that by the gasoline good. engine, by braking. And that's a really seamless experience. It's you just you buy the car, you put gas in occasionally and you really don't worry about it otherwise.
2: But in your reporting, you said a lot of people feel like they don't even need an EV because they have a hybrid. It serves their needs. I mean, what's what do those examples
0: look like? Yeah, I think that one thing that's interesting with the latest generation of hybrids we're seeing, which are really excellent cars, I mean, some of these will run on pure electricity for 30, 40 miles. And if you look at your average American, like, that's most of the driving we do in a day is 30, 40 miles. We
2: think we're all, like, out on the road with Jack Kerouac or whatever, (laughs) but we're just going to, like... The supermarket and the mall.
0: (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So, and it's there's this we we have this weird obsession with road trips and range, (laughs) and and you're seeing this bleed over into the EV world too. And I've talked to car companies like like BMW and Toyota. It's like, look, we don't really want to make 600 mile EVs, and environmentally, it's kind of a disaster. But like, we're we're gonna see what we could do because that's what you Americans say you want. So I think that people are a little bit unrealistic with their expectations, but you know, with with hybrids, it's like, yeah, if, if you buy this car, you'd be surprised how much gas you don't use in it. Mm-hmm. And there there are several models, and se- several of my colleagues even um, who are hybrid owners. And every now and then, they'll get an alert on the car, like, "Look, you need to drive this thing more. You need to run the gas engine more. The gas getting stale. <laughs> like, oh, wow. you know, it, it'll it'll tell you. It's like this this needs to be ran a little bit, um, which I think is quite funny."
2: I would imagine playing into the popularity of hybrids this year was the very high gas prices we just had mostly last year, but people don't forget so fast, right? I mean, we had like $5 gas and in America, that's real bad. So that must've played a role here too.
0: It did for sure. And that's a trend I've seen throughout my entire career. Um, Americans, you know, for all of our our many great qualities and strengths as a people, we tend to think about five minutes into the future only. Um, And Almost always, what we see is when gas gets expensive, people buy Priuses, and <laughs> and when gas gets cheap again, they buy Hummers and Silverados. That is yeah. just that's just what we do and how we operate. Um, and as you both know, it's like we've seen a tremendous amount of ups and downs in gas prices in recent years. You know, fracking kept gas very cheap for a very long time. It's been going up again because of rising energy costs. So a tipping point would be like a permanent upward shift in gas prices that makes this permanently more expensive at the pump than it's ever been. I think that would that would see a very rapid shift to electric vehicles very quickly. Um, but I, who knows how or if that would ever happen.
2: As consumers start clamoring for hybrids, that puts manufacturers in a tough spot. Some of the biggest automakers, like General Motors and Volkswagen, stopped producing hybrids altogether as they focused on EVs. Now they're rethinking that approach.
0: Those automakers... They're kind of looking at the market and they're wondering, maybe we should do this. Maybe, maybe we should, you know, offer this option to people and invest that R&D in it. But I think that they know that if they do that, they take that step, it's probably going to delay their pure EV investments. Right. And maybe that would work out OK for them, The emphasis on for them, because, you know, we're we're seeing a bit of a we're seeing this sort of slower up and down pace with, with EV adoption. That's not what they want to see. They want to see. You know, a rapid phase out of gas cars and a rapid adoption of EVs to replace them. And I don't think those things are going to happen in straight lines anymore. So it is it is a real dilemma for these car companies to figure out what to offer, especially as they're facing, you know, very strict fuel economy rules and emissions rules, which is really yeah. the driver behind this this whole thing, Is you know. If you gave any of these car companies a pass, I think they'd, they'd be making the same cars they made in the 50s and 60s if you didn't regulate this stuff. So, you know, if you're being pushed in that zero emission direction or stricter fuel economy rules, like, where, where, where do, what do you do? Do you do hybrids or do you EVs or, or hope the consumer uh, adopts one or the other? It, it is a tricky situation to be in.
2: But, I mean, the bigger picture here, zooming out, is the climate. Good luck to the auto manufacturers, but, I mean, is the fact that so many more consumers are turning to hybrids, I mean, is that a... Good thing or a bad thing for the climate? Like, what does that mean in terms of meeting
0: goals? Yeah, great question. And and the best answer I can give you is it's it's good news, but it's not as good news as it could be because uh, you know these these hybrids. One of the many benefits that I don't think we we think about too much is that they do create far less emissions. Um, right. I think the the, the, the current uh, Toyota Sienna minivan is hybrid only. It is, you know, the only one you can buy is a hybrid, and you know it it, it creates. Less than half the carbon emissions than its predecessor, which was a non-hybrid. Like that's very impressive. That is awesome progress. Let's 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 take a W where we can, uh, mm. right now in, in the climate apocalypse, right? Uh, but you know, on a long term, you know, this slowing down the, the adoption of, of full EVs and moving us to a zero emission market. Anything that slows that down, that is bad news for the climate. That is bad news for the planet. Um Earlier this week on Inside EVs, uh, one of our contributors, uh, the wonderful environmental journalist Molly Taft, um, you know, had a story about this. And, and she kind of looked at automakers like Ford and General Motors and Volkswagen that might be slowing down their EV goals a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, and she and she kind of wondered, like, what does this mean for, for climate change? And, and what she determined was, you know, like the cars that Ford sold globally last year alone, like worldwide, over the course of their lifetimes, they will generate more greenhouse emissions, greenhouse gas emissions then the entire country of Taiwan emits in one year. Jeez. That's just Ford over the course of their lifetimes one automaker. So you're seeing how serious this is mm-hmm. and why why it's imperative to replace these cars, new cars with uh zero emission ones. Now, it's like you don't get rid of all of the problems when you do that. We know that. It creates a lot it takes a lot of emissions to build electric vehicles. Yeah. And what do you do with the countless gas cars that are going to be on the roads and in service for decades to come? I, I have yet to get a good answer on that one. But it's like if we have to start somewhere, it, we, we, it's, this is not an action that can be pushed off much longer, I think.
2: So what I'm hearing, I think, is hybrids are better than nothing. But it would be even better to just switch right over to EVs and have zero emissions or sort of zero emissions because there's a lot of emissions involved in building the cars. Um, and also, I mean, we haven't really talked about it, but there's climate impacts for EVs separate from the the fossil fuel issue, right? I mean, and mm-hmm. mining a lot of the minerals you need to build the batteries creates its own sort of Pandora's box of stuff
0: it does for sure. And like there's there's been massive inroads have been made uh, into battery recycling plants, mm-hmm. you know, which is not something that we can do for gas cars. You know, they, in theory, we could we could keep repurposing lithium ion batteries. For a very long time, and create kind of a more sustainable ecosystem. Doing that, I'm not convinced it's it's you know a silver bullet yet. Um, but it, you're right; it is it is tricky because this seeing more hybrids on the road is is good, but it's it's not the zero emission transformation we need. And the more I've covered this stuff, the more I really feel like this what we're seeing now is stuff that we should have been doing in the 90s, back when we were really becoming cognizant of the, of the realities of climate change. When the first hybrids were coming out, we should you know, we should have all this industry should have been going like largely hybrid in the 2000s, for example, and building (sighs) up a zero emission, uh, you know, infrastructure and path forward in the last decade, the 2010s. Unfortunately, on on multiple fronts, that's not where we're at. So we're like scrambling to play catch up now at a very difficult uh, time for this 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 act.
2: On top of that, you know, the elephant in the room of every interview I do right now is the election and the election, um, yes. what happens to EVs, you know, should a Republican administration be in charge in
0: 2025? Yeah, th- that's, this is going to be very interesting to see. And I, I've told my staff at Inside EVs this, it's like, look, gear yourselves up. Like we're going to be covering the election next year, whether you want to or not. Like we're already seeing electric vehicles become kind of a culture war issue. You're seeing a you know, GOP politicians sort of uh, lashing out against them, that's one thing. But the, the, the more important thing is if if the White House changes hands, whether it's Trump or Haley or DeSantis or any any of those candidates, I think will reverse the Biden administration's uh, EPA rules very quickly. Yeah. And those are the rules that are pushing us to, you know, 50 percent EVs by 2030 in America, hopefully all EV new car sales by 2035. Like I see that going out the window Um, I know this because we, it it has already happened once when, when Trump was president, he rolled back the Obama fuel economy standards, you know, made those a lot weaker. And I think that, you know, for a few years, you know, the auto industry responded in the interest of profits because of course they did. And they, they, they kept cranking out gas cars and big trucks and fewer hybrids and fewer evs. it's it's these mandates, these government mandates, agree with them or not, that sort of get us moving in the zero emission direction, yeah, and i uh. I, I unfortunately don't see any sort of climate answer uh, with transportation on the GOP side. So you know if 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 those those policies get reversed, like you will see a slowdown in a move to electric vehicles in in this country. I do believe that,
2: and I guess for my last question, I mean, What's it going to take for for us to get comfortable buying EVs to not feel like it's a, a risky thing to do or I'm buying something that is going to you know I won't be able to charge it or the app is going to fail or whatever? What's it going to take?
0: Yeah, you know, I want I want to be cautiously optimistic here. Actually, like I said, I'm I think that some of the sales trends we've seen are exciting. I think it's an education thing too. And I just, I was, as I've been an auto journalist for about 10 years myself, and almost all of that I I covered mostly gas cars because this Mm -hmm. is is still a new ish thing. It's hard to understand the world of electric cars until you live it, until you drive these things and you try it and you see what charging is like. And you're like, oh, okay, I could actually make this work. And when you see what home charging is like, there's a lot of misconceptions, a lot of fear. And Almost everyone I've shown this technology to, or or i've I've let them experience it or drive it themselves. they kind of get it after a while. So I think that there's maybe it's on the part of the automakers or the dealers even or policymakers to kind of educate people and show them like this is what it's like. This is what you're in for. You're probably not going to get stuck. It's not going to ruin your life. Here are the headaches you're gonna have to deal with. They are getting better. It is kind of showing people the way forward. And again, in the spirit of optimism, I think one thing we could take away from the success of hybrids this year is that people do want to break up with gasoline. If you if you give them a reason not to pay at the pump, like they're going to take it. And I think that this, this you know, hopefully would be the ultimate reason to be doing that. So maybe there's, there's some progress to be found in that trend as well.
2: Patrick, thank you so much.
0: Emily, thank you so much for having me on. It's been wonderful.
2: Patrick George is the editor-in-chief at Inside EVs and a contributing writer at The Atlantic. And that's it for our show today. What Next TBD is produced by Evan Campbell, Patrick Fort, and Anna Phillips. Our show is edited by Mia Armstrong-Lopez. Alicia Montgomery is vice president of audio for Slate. TBD is part of the larger What Next family. TBD is also part of Future Tense, a partnership of Slate, Arizona State University, and New America. If you're a fan of the show, I have a request for you. Become a Slate Plus member. Just head on over to slate.com slash whatnextplus to sign up. The TBD team is taking a little break for the holidays, but we'll be back in January. I'm Emily Peck, filling in for Lizzie O'Leary, and you can catch me on Saturdays at Slate Money. Thanks for listening.